Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first, and hopefully not the last, episode of Cape Sports <laughs> Now, the Cape Cod Times all-new high school sports and possibly other kinds of local sports podcast. I'm Matt Goisman. And I'm Steve Dedarian. Matt, I don't know about you, but I was really happy to see tournament action, high school action going again, because we were really concerned with this storm that this would change the whole schedule, and we're finally back on track. Absolutely. I mean, the, the weekend definitely was a lot lighter than anybody expected it to be. In some ways, the Cape is luckier than other parts, because most people have their power back now, and we were able to play some games on Sunday. Not we, but local teams right. were, uh, whereas there are South Shore cities that still don't have power and are still delaying things. So, you know, the after effects of that storm, we're not, we're not done with them yet, but it seems to be the schedule's kind of slowly getting back on track. Absolutely, and, you know, I'm really happy to be doing this show, you know, keep people up to date because mm-hmm. things have been changing. You know, you and I have been looking at Twitter Oh yeah, but on the hour, you know, pretty much different changes and all these different schedules. And he had more today. Even. Yep. You want to talk a little bit about those? We'll definitely get into that. Uh, we definitely had some uh, some more postponements come out today, or at least one pretty big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last year, so the we're in the middle of the playoffs right now. Hockey and basketball track is wrapped up. Wrestling's wrapped up. Swimming's wrapped up. Uh, and last year in basketball, we had three teams make the semis one of which Monomoy went to the South Finals. And we seem to be about on track to do the same thing. We have three all-Cape team matchups in the quarterfinals, so one Cape team is going to come out of each of them and go to the semis. And, you know, we're on pace for as good a year, maybe even a little bit better than we had uh, last winter. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, when you look at the seeds this year of some of these teams, I mean, you might as well just ignore them because, I mean, I've seen oh, yeah. teams, and this isn't just for basketball, but for hockey too, I've seen, seen seeds as high as 20, you know, making it into the quarterfinals and semifinals. Absolutely. Now, I get it. The MIAA, they seed teams differently based on your you know, strength of schedule, yep. who you play, and your record might not necessarily reflect your seed or, you know, the quality of your team. But when it comes down to it, once you're yeah. you know, on the ice or you're on the court, Again, throw all those records, throw everything in the past out because it's all about how you're going to play that day. Absolutely. I mean, we had two pretty good examples of that last week. We had the Barnstable Boys hockey team pretty much shock uh, number three, uh, Franklin? Franklin, Franklin, yes. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the Falmouth Boys got very unlucky in that they had to play a Super 8 team in Catholic Memorial that was dropped all the way down to 15th. I think a lot of Clippers fans are probably grumbling about that a little bit, and they, they got a point. I mean, if you're good enough to play the Super 8, you probably shouldn't be even just the play-in. You probably shouldn't be the 15th seed, but, you know, that's that's the way the MIA drew it up, I guess. Right, and, you know, you, you talk to some of these coaches. You know, they don't use that as an excuse. I no. mean, they might grumble about it privately, but at the end of the day, look, they want to be playing the best because to be the best, you got to – yeah, to be the best, you got to beat the best. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't think any coaches are going to gripe too much about that. You know, you play who you play, and you do the best you can on that day. Absolutely. And speaking of Falmouth, I, I think we should get into a little bit what we've got coming up this week. And tonight we have a Falmouth playoff uh, basketball doubleheader that 
the girls game is pretty is very big and the boys game is huge this is going to be a great game this is between Falmouth the three seed and Nosset the 11th seed these two teams are Atlantic Coast League rivals Nosset was one of the only teams to actually beat Falmouth during the regular season this is a really exciting game I'm going to be covering both of them and I'm very much looking forward to them yeah I think what's interesting about both of these boys basketball teams is what they do best is they take they take your best player away, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen it. Found with Eli Wilson, you know, great shooter and whatnot, and obviously for Nasset, Bobby Joy, there. Right. Believe who's there all? T- is there all? T- no, that's Charlie Campbell. Sorry, I said. <laughs> I guess we'll get into guy. Bobby Joy because he matters. That's he's my gonna... fault. Charlie Campbell. See, first show we always have errors <laughs> like that. I got the right team. Yes, Charlie Campbell, obviously outstanding scorer all around. Yeah. But again, you know, I think against. Some teams, he's been held under 10 points. So both of these teams have the ability on defense to take away your best player and make the rest of the team beat you. Absolutely. Charlie Campbell's already scored 1,300 points. He's a junior. If he stays healthy next year, he could graduate as the leading boy scorer in school history. Um, the, that previously was Christian Messersmith from Chatham in 06. He scored 1,705. Campbell's already over 1,300. He is on pace to break it as long as he stays healthy. You know, the two teams split, and if you mm-hmm. look at the scoring in both games, when Nossett won 65-64, Campbell scored 24 points. Chad Edwards scored 17. Um, now, they were all both of them came up pretty big against Whitman and Hansen in the upset in the first round. Campbell scored 17. Edwards scored 16. Bobby Joy, who you mentioned, scored 26. So he mm-hmm. was he stepped up with Whitman Hansen probably focusing on Charlie Campbell. When Falmouth beat Nossett by 13 earlier in the season, they held Campbell to 10 points. That's the game I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the player I, I would really be curious is what is Jared Church's and Kyle Cardoza, um, which is kind of Falmouth's forward-center combination, mm-hmm. what are they going to do? You know, Church's played really well against Madison Park in the uh, first round of the playoffs. He scored 15 points. Cardoza didn't hit double digits, but he was a huge presence in the post. He rebounded well. He broke their full-court press really well by being a big guy in at midcourt. Mm-hmm. When they can really use their size effectively, Falmouth is a very balanced team that Nossage is going to struggle to match. But if those two disappear – then it could come down to a shooting, a shootout between like Sam Koss and Eli Harris for Falmouth and uh, Campbell and Joy for Nossett, and that is a matchup Nossett could win. True, but at the same time, you have to think about it that Falmouth, I think, has the advantage when it comes to rebounding, right? So if I would say having so. a good shooting night, Cardoza and Chorches and those guys, they clean up the boards. And I think the first matchup they played in Falmouth, Fal- or excuse me, Nossett only scored 40 points, I believe. That's, that's uh, Yeah, that's correct. It was yes. a 53-40 win. So, I mean, if Nossett's really going to be on their game tonight, taking smart, quality shots, mm-hmm. because if they turn it into a long-distance shooting game, I feel like rebounding is going to tip in Falmouth's advantage. And, I mean, you've covered them plenty of times. Falmouth is a very tough team to beat on their home court. They are, yeah. So I would give them the edge in tonight's matchup if, if I had to. Make a pick there. <laughs> I don't like to pick between uh, local teams because it's just going to make well, you're someone... covering the game too, so I won't put the pressure on you. <laughs> but I'm very much looking forward to it. Before that, uh, on the girls game, uh, Falmouth, uh, excuse me, is playing uh, the Pembroke's. Sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll get the rhythm of this eventually, I promise. Falmouth is the seventh seed. Pembroke is the 15th seed on the girls' side. Didn't play each other during the regular season. Kayla Thomas was huge for Falmouth against Hingham. She scored 25 points. Olivia Ferrero scored 15. 
If they have a good night, they should be fine. Pembroke is a fairly low seed, though that doesn't necessarily mean anything. We just talked about, yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> you know, Pembroke's big players to watch are Jane Howe and Katie Galligan, who both scored 14 points against Old Rochester in the first round. Mm -hmm. They also held Old Rochester to, you know, in the 30s for points, and they hit three big three-pointers late. So, you know, if it becomes a big offensive game, I think that favors Falmouth. If Pembroke can keep it low, then kind of anything can happen, you know. Right. Uh, Falmouth plays good defense, though. So, again, I would actually expect this to be a low-scoring game. However, any team that could beat Old Rochester, a team that's beaten us, I believe, by the way. Yes. Um, yeah, I wouldn't count them out at all. Mm -hmm. Falmouth has had trouble scoring at times. I mean, you've seen some games that are low-scoring. But, again, that favors defense. But, again, um, you can't sleep on Pembroke because, again, you beat a team <laughs> like Old Rochester. That caught a lot of people's attention across the state because that was a team – I think many expected would be in the semifinals, if not the sectional final. Yeah. So to see them out early, mm -hmm. I think, kind of blows up the whole bracket there. And really anything could happen. I, I think so. You know, to and Pembroke, because they're such a low seed, they kind of – sometimes you get low-seeded teams that are like, okay, well, whatever. We're not expected to get this far. So they just play very relaxed, and they, you know, keep the role going. I think the Monomoy boys last year could be said of that, and they went all the way to the South Finals – and then they ran to Cathedral, and it was not not really a balanced game. Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned Cathedral because on both of the Division Four brackets, Cathedral's in the waiting for a couple local teams. Yeah, Cathedral is has been hard on uh, Cape teams. The boys beat up Monmoy last year, and the girls handled Falmouth Academy pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, and Falmouth Academy, who that's a good segue into our next really I think big game. Falmouth Academy, even their coach will admit, is not as strong as it was last year. Last year they had Eliza Van Voris, who was a really good forward, on top of Kendall Currents, who is the all-time leading scorer in Cape history. This year they do not have the same presence in the paint, and it has definitely affected their ability to rebound and get second-chance shots and hold other teams to one possession. Falmouth Academy girls are at Nantucket tomorrow. That was supposed to be today. That was postponed about an hour ago. Um, in the D4 South uh, quarterfinals. This is another All-Cape matchup. This is an All-Cape and Islands League matchup. And again, it's between two teams that split during the regular season. You know, Nantucket won at home, which is where this game is, very, very early in the season. Falmouth Academy didn't even have all their players healthy yet. Then Falmouth Academy came back and blew out Nantucket by 24 later in the season, which ultimately led to them splitting the Cape and Islands League title. Right. I think the key in this game, and we've seen it from Falmouth Academy from time to time, if they stay out of foul trouble and they have everyone healthy, you mm -hmm. mentioned that first game, they didn't have Devin Hill, a very key yep. role player for, for the Mariners. She's going to be in this game, and I think that gives the advantage to Falmouth Academy. However, if Falmouth Academy gets in um, foul trouble, I mean, right. they're, what, seven or eight deep, I believe, maybe nine on their bench? If that. Yeah. So, I mean, you've seen it at times where a player like Jane Early can pick up three fouls. I mean, right. if she's not in the game, advantage Nantucket. Absolutely. Because Nantucket's strength on their guard, you know, Monique and Malika Phillip, mm -hmm. who could put the ball up from three. If Nantucket's hitting their threes, yep. that's what's going to be really key for them to stay in the game. Falmouth Academy also, they need somebody else to step up. Against Carver, who they squeaked past, you know, Kendall Currents, who again – Best scorer in Cape history, so obviously incredible. <laughs> you know, she's going to Northeastern. She's going to play D1 basketball next year. 
She scored 33 against Carver, but Jane Early scored 17. And some, you know, they need a second double-digit score to mm-hmm. really be able to win. Right. You know, when they beat Nantucket, Kendall Currens had a 35-point game. She is very capable of that, but you certainly can't expect that. When they lost to Nantucket, she only scored 19. Mm-hmm. Now, Jane did step up with 16 in that game, but... You know, if Monique and Malika Phillip have strong games, which they both did when they won, they combined for 30 points. Mm-hmm. Nantucket may is you know got a little bit more diversity and a little more balance. If they can take advantage of that, they could be moving on. Yeah. But you know, FA has been in the playoffs; they know how to play well. Mm-hmm. Should be a fun one on Tuesday for sure. Yeah, and I mean, it's not hyperbole to say that that Kendall Currents is essentially your LeBron James, right? She steps up yeah. when when the games in the biggest games mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if anything different happened. So I think the key for Nantucket and something that maybe they haven't gotten to all season, they mm-hmm. gotta attack the rim. Yes. Right. And I know that's very difficult to do for for very finesse, very fast moving, fast paced, I like the fast break. But you gotta attack the rim right. and force Fountain Academy to take early fouls. Yeah. Because that's gonna affect their game plan. It's gonna keep some of their scores. They're gonna have to go to the bench for a lot longer, mm-hmm. obviously for rest. But if they're facing foul trouble, they right. have to stay out that much longer. And then they have to defend the three. Of I mean, FA, because they don't have that really strong post presence, they are an, a much more of an outside jump shooting team. If you slack off players like early or especially currents, they will really, really, really hurt you. So you know, the last point I wanted to make on this too, winner of this game gets Cathedral, the two-time defending state champion. So – if you're those teams, obviously you can't look past this one, but it's just been the reality of the last few years. Cathedral, the number seven seed in this tournament, and they might as well just have the number one next to them. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, everybody knows Cathedral is dangerous. We also have an all-Cape and Islands matchup, Nantucket again on the boys' side. That's this afternoon. That is number nine, St. John Paul, at number one, Nantucket. These two teams, Nantucket swept SJP in the regular season. They were scoring-wise actually pretty close. They were no, no double-digit blowouts or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but I would certainly say Nantucket has a, a clear advantage in this one, and I would be very surprised if St. John Paul is able to pull this one out. Yeah, what I like about the Nantucket boys, they really spread the ball around well. Yes. They don't just rely on their 1,000-point scorer, Khalid Glybird, right? Yep. Terrain Burton's really stepped up the last Absolutely. few weeks. Max Cunningham, big time. You know what's interesting about Max? I, I covered them when they were in Monomoy. He's mm-hmm. a big first quarter guy. He really sets the tone for that team. Mm-hmm. And, and whether it's just hitting a couple threes, just getting the offense going. Because you know what? The defense shuffles out to them. And look, all of a sudden, now your other scorers can step in. Sure. Like Burton, like Liebert, yep. and some of those other guys who have stepped in. Um, Devontae Usher. Devontae Usher, Bodie yeah. Sargent had a 26-point game in one of his regular season games against SJP. Mm-hmm. And then with St. John Paul, you know, the the player to watch, uh, nobody is surprised, is Devin Harrison. He's the first 1,000-point scorer in school history there. Mm-hmm. Extremely good player. You know, like Falmouth Academy to a lesser extent, it's who is going to step up with him. It might be Nate Whiteley. He's pretty consistently scoring in double digits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, against Nantucket, the first time they played, Kevin Flynn had a 27-point game. So for them to stay with them, they got to get a few stops, and they need a couple more people besides Devin to to do their thing as well. I think the big thing is they got to slow the game down against this team because Nantucket wants to run. They want to steal. They yep. want a fast break. And, yeah, they can shoot well from the outside, and they can run their sets. 
but they want a fast-paced game. They want to get out ahead Absolutely. early. So if you're SJP, you slow that game. You yeah. take all the time on the shot clock. You don't let them – you possess the ball, take care of the ball, and you try to get kind of like we were talking about with Falmouth Nossett. Yep. Get clean, quality shots. Absolutely. And if it's a low-scoring game – hey, that's kind of a win for you in a sense because you're going to be in it right up to the end. I would say so. Uh, one player to watch for SJP is Jack Manning, who scored 21 points against Southeastern. If you know, He might be that third option that they need. You're right about Nantucket, though. Very fast team. I covered them against Mashpee during the regular season, and it was very much up and down the court, both teams trying to play as quick as they can. The difference is Mashpee is a fast enough team to be able to do that whereas St. John Paul, I haven't seen quite that degree of speed, although they are certainly athletic. I don't, I'm not suggesting they're not. Mashpee is also in action tonight in the other D4 South uh, quarterfinal. They are taking on, they're the three seed in D4 South, and they are playing number six Old Colony. This is a team like Falmouth that is really, really balanced. Mm -hmm. They have Against Abington in the first round, they had three players go for double-doubles. Their two forwards, Michael Barrows and Anthony Gonzalez, both scored at least 20 points. Devon Ford, a guard, uh, scored 15 and had 10 rebounds. Michael Frazier is their point guard. He only scored nine, but I've seen him explode for 20 or more himself. So they have so many weapons, and as long as they can keep dis like their offense distributed mm – -hmm. I think they should be looking at a spot in the semifinals. Yeah, I think this is a really motivated team to get past. You know, last year, yep. that was a team that had a lot of promise, and they came up short against, I believe it was Old Rochester, Old Rochester, right? yeah. You were at that game last year. Yeah, I know that team is very disappointed, but they have so much coming back this year. And I think the player, you know, a lot, a lot of people are talking about is, you know, Anthony Gonzalez. Absolutely. This is a kid we saw. Didn't start last year as a junior. He turned himself into the South Shore League Tobin MVP. Pretty much. I mean, that's how great, better of a story can you get than that? And, and the way he kind of put an exclamation point on on the last game was uh, pretty cool. You were there for that, right? Yeah, absolutely. He he and Barrows both are extremely strong forwards. They can grab rebounds. They can battle. They can play fast. I mean, Gonzalez can dunk. So mm -hmm. and Barrows can hit a three pointer apparently. So. You know, this is a very, very, very diverse team that, and ba you know, balanced, well-distributed offense. Shutting one down will open up others. And as long as they can keep, you know, th their coach talks a lot about weathering the storm, by mm -hmm. which he means when the other team goes on a run, how do you react mentally? Do you, do you collapse or do you step up? They can just weather whatever storms Old Colony is going to throw at them. I think they're probably going to be okay. All right. One last note on this game again. Tip-off is at 6.30. Doors open at 5.45. We saw something from the Mashpee Twitter that says the first three students who show up in grass skirts tonight get in for free. A lot of Hawaiian theme going on uh, this, apparently. this past weekend. Maybe it's like wishful thinking for better weather. Perhaps. <laughs> but, I mean, we're getting better weather without all the whole tropical things, so maybe it's been bad luck. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not the one in charge of these things. We just talk about the games, but I just feel like we should share that. You know, student support's been really great. As You know, we kind of transitioned into hockey. You and mm -hmm. I were both at Gallo Ice Arena yesterday in Bourne. Really great student atmospheres on both sides. I was covering Barnstable versus Marshfield. You had dueling student sections, yep. you know. And you see that sometimes at Gallo for, for the Canal Cup often, you know, yeah, yeah, they're packed sure. for that. But to see it for two essentially neutral site teams and yep. a bit of a home home ice advantage for, for Barnstable, mm. just just great to see the atmosphere. And, and it's tough because the Barnstable, Barnstable boys hockey team, they lost 3-2. to two. Yep. Obviously, the last game of the seniors, very upset. But even they were able to say, hey, this was a great atmosphere. Like, if this is going to be my last high school game, yeah. you know, 
this is the way we want to go. Great, great to to see the support from you know the student sections for sure. And the Barnstable boys had a good year. I mean, they they won a playoff game, their first under the current coach. They uh, won the old Colony League, which hadn't happened in a few years. So you never want your season to end, but this was certainly one they can look at successfully. Uh, the Nosset boys, which is the game I covered, they lost in overtime to Taunton. Another great atmosphere, dueling fan sections. Got a little heated, but no like fighting or anything like that. Again, I'm sure they were bombed, especially to give up two one-goal leads in the third. But almost everybody on that team is an underclassman, and I think this can be a very positive learning experience right. for them. We've talked a lot about basketball, but the hockey, there really is nothing like it. I mean, you see, it's not just in the student sections, it's in the players. I mean, even from Marshfield yesterday, you had a team full of blonde hair guys. And I don't know how many of you out there have seen the, the film, The Outsiders. I tweeted out something that looked like a team of Pony Boy Curtises because they all apparently, right. they went to the hair dress and they, I guess you got to bleach your hair yeah. a little bit to get it to go blonde like that. So all sorts it burns, of I've done it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen Mohawks. I've seen all this stuff. It's just, it, it's a team bonding thing, but it's, you could see, Sure. How much these teams come together and how much emotion they play for when they score a goal, you know, banging in the board, yep. sliding on the ice. It, it, it's great, great atmosphere, great fun, and it's been fun to watch so far. Absolutely. We had five hockey games yesterday, and three <laughs> of the teams won. I mean, it was not so long ago, like last year or the year before, when like every Cape hockey team would get knocked out in the first round or the prelims. So this has been a, a successful hockey season for the Cape compared with like the last two or three. The uh, three teams that are moving on, so you have the Bourne boys in the D3 South. They're in the quarterfinals now. They're the fifth seed. They play number 20 Ashland. They're back at Gallo in Bourne on Tuesday, so basically this is home ice for them. They are playing very, very good hockey right now. Chase Lapworth had four goals in, uh, in the last game. If, they, if he can do that again and the defense can step up, like play a little bit better, they should be fine. I mean, they, they really looked very, very strong in the first round match. Yeah, and I mean, it's tough. I mean, they I, I looked at it just today to make sure. They went 16 days without playing a game yeah, until so. last night. I mean, that was a long layover for them. And to see them come out and have that great offensive performance, I think, is very encouraging. But, however, I mm -hmm. mean, you look at the four goals they gave up, a lot of them in rapid succession. I think the defense is really going to be key in stepping up in this one. Absolutely. And this Ashland team – believe if I looked correctly, they were a number 20 seed. Yes, they were. I mean, again, <laughs> it's just you, you can never really predict these games. Mm -hmm. But I do remember last year, Ashland played last year's Nantucket team. We all know how good that team was. Yep. They didn't lose until their last game. Yep. And they gave them a battle right up until the end. I think only lost that game by a goal. Mm -hmm. So that's a very formidable task for Bourne to take, you know, to take down. And I wouldn't expect six goals in a game like this. No, you never do. But – this could come down. I'm thinking like a two to one, sure, maybe even a one nothing game, like we saw Barnesville Franklin. I mean, you Absolutely. never really know if both goalies are on their game. Uh, this could be a very interesting contest. Sure. The other two uh, games, the other game Tuesday is a really cool matchup. It's in the Division One girls. They're the state quarterfinals because in girls hockey they don't do the sectionals thing. So that's number five, Barnstable, versus number four, Methuen Tewksbury. That's at Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton. So if you happen to be in Boston, maybe go check that out. Barnstable still only one loss on the season. But, you know, they were down in their last game briefly. You covered that yep. game. I mean, are they capable of beating Methuen Tewksbury? 
I think so. I mean, the thing is with yesterday, they were playing well for three periods. They just didn't have a goal to show for it in the mm-hmm. first period. They made a bad mistake on their own zone right. on, on a power play of all things. And, and Mansfield took it right at him. And I talked to Coach Peter, uh, Coach Peter after the game, yeah, yeah. and he told me that, you know, we don't usually make mistakes like this. But we were playing well in the first period. We got they outshot them, I think, eleven to three. Mm-hmm. They had plenty of scoring opportunities. They just couldn't put it in the back of the net. And then they took care of business in the second period and third period. They got their insurance tally. Yep. I mean, Michaela Besford, she shakes really off really good. Goal. Yeah, absolutely. And that wasn't her mistake she made there. But mm-hmm. even after giving up a goal, rock solid after that. Yep. And nothing really ever came close to to getting in the net again. This is a really good team. They're playing though, Methuen Tewksbury. The lead made it to the state semifinals last year. They were actually the Red Rangers. You got Red Rangers versus Red Raiders. Great. Say that five times fast. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass them, you know, maybe uh, episode two. Key player for them is Kelly Golmi, I believe. Uh, she's a D2, Division two commit at St. Anselm, New Hampshire okay. next year. She's 28 goals, 18 assists. Wow. Really their leader and a good scorer. But you know what's interesting about Barnstable is that Shana McInerney, obviously a great scorer, great player. She was scoreless <laughs> yesterday. But then you got those other role players, Rachel Dwyer. Absolutely. And we had Sarah Shute, a freshman, Bridget mm-hmm. Everett helping out. She's an eighth grader. Yep. This is a team that from that has youth to experience. Yep. You mix that all together, this is a dangerous team. And I really think anything could happen at this point. For sure. The other girls' hockey game, this is Wednesday at O'Brien Rink in Woburn. This is number five, Dennis Yarmouth, versus number 13, Algonquin. DY won its first playoff game in girls' hockey ever in school history yesterday. You know, their goals came from the Twins, Ava and Kayla McGaffigan, and then uh, the Walshes, Summer and Caitlin Walsh, kind of, they had assists on those goals. You did a feature on the McGaffigan Twins. I mean, they're eighth graders, but it seems like they play like varsity senior. I mean, right. what's been your take on them? I mean, they just don't let anything get too big from them. These are club players who have played against some of the best out there. So, I mean, they know. They have trust in their teammates, and their teammates have taken them on. Hey, these are good players. They have the right attitude, not too high, not too low. They really just don't have any fear out there. They mm-hmm. just go out there and play, do the best they can, and have obviously been a real big shot in the arm for, for a team that really had a lot of talent. Yep. They just had to kind of pull it all together with scores like Georgie Snow. Yep. And obviously Absolutely. their older sister, Anna, has been a great role model to kind of help them blend in with the rest of the team. For sure. And frankly, these girls are just – Seemingly, from talking to them, they're just good at every sport they pick up. <laughs> I mean, they they told me that they were they went to some tennis camp, yep. and after like an hour or two, they they said to me, and I swear this direct quote, we were better than everybody else. <laughs> so I mean, so clearly not lacking for confidence, but that's course, a good of thing. Of course not, right? And I, I'm really interested, you know, no matter how this season ends, mm-hmm. where they go from here, and how how successful this program can be, because they do have a lot of young players. I believe Lucy Reed is a junior, right? Yeah. And she'll be back next year and a solid goalie. And For sure. We'll see what happens. You know, I that's pretty much everything. I think we missed one playoff game, which I'll just b- mention quick right now. Tuesday night, we have the Division Two South girls basketball quarterfinals, the other one. That's number three, Nosset, uh, hosting number six, Duxbury. Last playoff game, Avery Burns was the story. She scored 24 points on eight three-pointers. You know, they have a really good forward in Skylar Sanderson. Most teams are going to focus on stopping her, so somebody's going to have to step up, and Burns certainly did that against Notre Dame Academy. With uh, Duxbury against Situate, their best players were Ali Cavallo, scored 18 points, and then Sophie Thompson and Tegan Curran both added nine. Curran also came up with a huge block in the final seconds to kind of secure that win. Nossett, 
has been playing extremely solid basketball all season, and I think they are very much believing they can win this game, get to the semis, and maybe get even further. Yeah, Austin found girls. They advance to the semifinals. They'd be playing. They'd be playing each other. So we could have this exact same matchup in two days, which I look forward to. Absolutely. So that about wraps it up for our first episode of Cape Sports Now. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Steve underscore Derdarian. That's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. And hopefully we'll be doing this once a week. This is a lot of fun, Matt. Hopefully this is the first of many, like you said. For sure. I'm uh, Matt Goisman. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Goisman CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. You can also find these videos after the fact at capecottimes.com slash Now. Hopefully you uh, had fun watching this with us. Be sure to check out CapeCodTimes.com or the Cape Cod Times print sports edition for all of our high school coverage throughout this very exciting week of the playoffs. Thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you in a week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.